Hands Club, the Body Jewelry Makers Cast. I'm your host, Jared Carnes, and on this episode, I speak with Anne-Marie Hoffman of Glass Heart Studio. I've been a fan of Anne-Marie's signature glass shapes and textures for a number of years, so I'm excited to share our conversation with you. Before we begin, I must give a huge shout out to my podcast sponsor, Suva Lapidary. If you're in the market for cabbing wheels, diamond saw blades, flat laps, or polishing supplies for glass, stone, or ceramic, you've got to check out Suva Lapidary. This is a family-owned business that's dedicated to customer service and quality products, fast shipping, responsive conversations. I really appreciate them. I order from them frequently. They sponsor this podcast, and you should check them out. Find them at suvalapidary.com. That's S-U-V-A lapidary.com. Anne-Marie Hoffman of Glass Heart Studio. Thank you for joining me on the Sore Hands Club. It's a pleasure to be on your show. All right. So before we get started on sort of the history of what you've done and where you're headed, tell us a little bit about where you are now, who you are, and what you're currently making. Okay. So I am an artist first and foremost. Um, and I, I do all kinds of craft in, in my life. Um, I do painting and drawing. Um, and I, I bring art into my life as a, like an expression of, of creativity. And so, but first and yeah. Um, but I make body jewelry um, for a living. And it's been a passion of mine. And I've been doing it for 15 years. Um, Yeah, I can't believe I started it in 2007. And so I can't stop doing it. Um, It's just I dream about it at night. (laughs) That's fantastic. You're you're um, you've got kind of old head status. I mean, been being around for that long, you know, so many, there's so many new companies that are out, so many new people doing things. Um, it's cool to get a chance to talk to folks like you who have kind of been around for a while. Yeah. <clears throat> so how did you fall in love with glass? So I, I, I've been fascinated with glass since I was a kid. Um, I had a little, or my first um, memory of glass is I had a little marble that was clear and it was um, matte, a matte finish. And I was fascinated with translucency Ooh. in glass. And I would spend so much time looking, <laughs> geeking out on this little marble that I had. And um, um, strangely, I just always felt fascinated by glass, but I never thought it was a thing um, before I had the opportunity to um, make myself some earrings. I wanted to stretch my ears. And um, so the story, I could tell you the story. Please do. <laughs> um, I was hanging out at a tattoo shop with my um, friend and I w- kept staring. He was getting a tattoo and I kept staring at this jewelry case, um, eyeing this pair of bone jewelry. I don't know who made this particular design, but it was an ornate hanging shape. And I, I just fell in love with this pair. So I wanted to know, I asked the piercer, you know, how do I stretch my ears? And they told me glass would be a really good way or material to use. And they pointed at the case and 
there was this pile of little glass, um, they were kind of like square shaped tapers and um, they were all kind of bald ends, um, none of them matched. And um, so I picked through the pile and found two and um, stretched my ears. And so not too long after that, I found out my, I had a dear friend who was making um, uh, glass objects in her basement. Mm -hmm. And um, so I asked her if I could come over and try to make glass in the hopes that I could recreate this earring, these earrings that I liked. And, um, and I did, and they weren't too shabby, <laughs> I think. Um, and later on, she ended up having to move and sold, sold me her equipment. Okay. And so I was in art school at the time, and um, I set this little glass studio up in my um, basement, mm -hmm. <laughs> started making earrings. And I, I was doing a lot of gallery shows. I also play violin. Um, so I would go on the street, and I lived in Portland at the time, and I'd play my violin on the street corner. And I'd had this little box of glass, um, wormy glass. That's <laughs> brilliant. I love it. And um, um, it wasn't too long before I realized I wasn't getting a chance to play violin at all because everyone was wanting to look at the glass. The and, jewelry instead. Yeah. <laughs> I would set up for little street markets and um, I could make a couple hundred dollars in an hour or two selling wow. these wormy, wormy shapes. Yeah. That's <laughs> and, very um, cool. Yeah. Just, um, it, and it just evolved from there. And I was also doing gallery shows at the time. And so I would do these, um, these paint, or I would, I did a series of painting shows um, where I'd have my paintings displayed. Um, and I also do book binding. So I'd have um, books wow. on display that I okay. made, and um, and then in the corner I would have pot, um, my wormy glass um, jewelry. So and you were getting away with like a fairly mixed media show. I was. I was That's doing cool. these shows as part of um, my my major. I was able to create like okay. a. For my graduation, basically, I was um, I had to do a series of these um, shows to show my art and to to basically have practice putting my art into the market. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and it was a great, it was a really great um, experience. And it was just, it just so happened that I was starting to dabble in the glass at the time, and so I would do, I do these shows and. I did, I did sell a series of paintings, but m the sales of my art, which I thought was pretty good, <laughs> like, was not that great. Um, instead, I spent the whole time in the corner um, talking to people about Talking the about glass. the jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> That's and amazing. I need to pull up photos of, um, of some, I have photos of these beginning pieces because oh I, I would I would love to see them I think it would really inspire people getting started out there um to see that you can start from nothing and I mean I was probably the worst glass artist in the world <laughs> you know and you everyone the first oh, couple of sets of plugs that I made from wood and stone were not good jewelry 
know, I mean, <laughs> it's an evolution process. You're really learning about a material. You're learning about a process. Um, you know, it's, it takes a while to really develop a style and come up with a shape that works and, yeah. and a good finish and everything. Yeah, it really does. Um, yeah, I, I felt really fortunate to have had the time and um, to be to not or to develop in this really unique way with no with no pressure, except for people wanting to buy the earrings and my friends, yeah. the support of all my friends were was just incredible. Everyone like they wanted pairs and they wanted to be a part of it. It just felt like something something was stirring something was yeah stirring. yeah oh that's wonderful so i had um i had a friend named matt Locke who was um visiting some of my roommates and um he did photography for um billy my friend down in redding california who was um, running um nathan's anthems at the time so matt Locke, matt matlock came and saw what I was doing and um, took photos and brought it to Billy and was like, dude, check this, <laughs> check this stuff out. And so that's when um, they told me about the show Reading Inc. Um, and really encouraged me to come and have a booth. And I was able to load, not only make some jewelry for the show, but I brought my whole glass setup. And they had the fire marshal put me it um, barricade me out in the parking lot <laughs> and I was making custom uh, jewelry for people on the spot. It was you really, enjoy that? really fun experience. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a great way to meet people and um, I, it would be really fun to be able to do that again. It just, I just think of, I laugh at all the, um, the wild experiences of like, setting up this class in the middle of a parking lot <laughs> anyway so I just when I arrived at the show it, it just made me feel like I had something to work on and I established my business um so at the same time I had done the Reading Ink show I did a a challenge with my cousin um who was making had a small underwear design business at the same time. And so we challenged each other to put our shops or to open Etsy shops. And, um, and it was amazing. The response, um, on Etsy that was back. I mean, in 2007, Etsy was very new. I don't. Yeah. And, and so I, I got this instant following of, amazing people and I that was my full it became my full-time job really quickly I was yes and I I even had enough to hire I was training another artist in my basement we're sitting there um I was training another artist and I had a friend um Katie O'Rourke um who lives in Colorado now she um was a dear friend who is a photographer and so she was helping me try to understand what, how to run a business. And we're sitting there uh, trying to figure out how to do inventory. And um, or I just, um, it, it's so funny um, looking back at um, just the complexity of the scope of 
starting a business and all learning about all the little ins and outs of what goes into it. Yeah, when I started One Tribe, I didn't know anything, you know, about running a business and it we just kind of winged it, you know, like the demand was there and we're like, okay, we're selling stuff. So now there's a business and um, then it gets to the point where you've got taxes and payroll and, and, you know, all of the real business stuff and you're just like, like, this isn't what I signed up for, but it's part anyway, you know. It really is. Yeah. Um, and I, I've made some serious mistakes along or not. I mean, not serious, but um, I've made so many mistakes along the way. Just um, there's so much I wish I would have known now. Um, get a good CPA. That's <laughs> as a business owner. I just feel like um, that is a priceless thing to do. And they can yes. save you money. And they will make your. Yes. And they will make your. And time, they'll make your life easy, just telling you what you what to look out for, and yeah. So I'm I'm really grateful to have a good good CPA. Um, but I think I was like uh, about seven years in before I had a good one. Um, went through a lot of bookkeepers. I quickly outgrew my um, humble little basement, <laughs> and um, I found a. Um, a couple of glass artists um, who um, are are still dear friends of mine um, that went in with me on a, a studio. We found a, a really sweet little um, spot in North Portland and um, a warehouse style. And so I, I was able to take up um, a side of, we, we partitioned it, this warehouse out um, with three glass artists. And, um, yeah, my buddies Zealous and Eric, um, and it was just this am- amazing experience of working alongside other uh, glass artists, as well as um, I had, I was training multiple people on how to make the jewelry, um, expecting my business to expand um, quickly, and um, I also had hired assistants. Um, like people to help me bag and ship orders. And, um, it just, it just kept growing. Um, it was was amazing. Um, and, and then I started having some growing pains that were, were difficult. I've had, um, I had a series of things happen that I want to talk to. And I, I don't know exactly how to, how to express them because, I want to also encourage everyone out there. And I know a lot of people have gone, gone through this as artists too, but I started um, noticing like people copying me online and um, through, through Etsy, there were other artists who did like Fimo clay jewelry and they were like making my squid design. And I just, I kind of like had this overwhelming sense of, dread and like uh, almost a depressed it made me or I felt really depressed about it it really bothered me and then I started seeing these cheap Chinese knockoffs um coming in and I think I it really it really took me back and I had yeah I had a really hard time um facing that and I'm now I gotten over it more (laughs) I just feel like it happens oh yeah it happens and it's 
it's just a part of being in, in the business. It can be pretty devastating. It can be devastating emotionally. It can be devastating financially as well. I mean, I have a style that is available on Alibaba right now for like, I don't know, 28 times less than what I sell it for retail. Like they're selling it for less than it costs me to make before any of my markups, you know, you can't really fight that. You just have to kind of disconnect yourself from it. But if there's any consolation, it means that it was a good idea. Yes. People don't steal bad ideas. (laughs) It is the best form of flattery, they say. Um. And I think at this point now, I, I am just inspired to continue. I mean, I can, I can feed myself. Or I mean, it feeds me what I do. And it's, I, like, I have enough business for myself. I'm really glad to be able to say that. I mean, there are definitely times where I'm like, ooh, I need to hustle because I want, want to. I mean, there's always the balance. I mean, that's a whole, whole nother story. Um, but I just feel really grateful that I do have this incredible following and, and these amazing fans and, and people who collect collectors. I, I, I feel like I have this little community that is glass heart and, and I'm just going to keep doing what I do. It's a journey. That's wonderful. Um, as as someone who is in a similar position, it's it's a really wonderful, warming, humbling uh, feeling. It also comes with some responsibility to like stay on your game and make it yes. make it again, but better um, for all of yes. those people that are sitting there waiting. Yeah, I like that it really challenge. Does. It feels nice. It's it's like. Um, I don't know. It, it feels less capitalist and more community. Yes. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like the capitalist part of owning a business. I think that's why I've stayed, I've stayed small. Um, like right now I'm the only artist or I don't, I don't have employees. You don't have employees. I, I, I have, um, I do hire an assistant right now for, um, when I have extra projects and I just need to, um, uh, another set of hands and eyes. Yeah. It's a business um, owner. You've got your hands in everything yeah. and they can't be everywhere all the time. Exactly. And I would love to grow again to the point where I could have, um, an office assistant, um, more on a full or part-time or full-time basis, but I like the size that I am now. And I think, um, I found this really great balance of, um, like where my prices are set and, and how, um, how, how they balance the work that I need to do to produce in the way that I produce right now. That's a really wonderful point and something that I talk about a lot. And I like to, um, So I'd like to quantify what you just said for people who are listening. What you're doing is you're using price as a tool. Yes. You're using the price as a way to maintain your workload and to be able to make sure that you have enough orders coming in to be able to come in and do it tomorrow. But you're limiting in a way, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And there are some things that I could make that I can't put a price on right now. Um, like I do these really highly intricately carved um, 
gold, I call them gold filigree. And um, the amount of time that it puts in, that it requires of me um, to make them, the earrings themselves are at a price point that I'm afraid to put out there. <laughs> um, and I, I almost like the stress of making the pieces. I know I can make them, but mm -hmm. the stress of making them is not worth um, the the time. So I, I, I'm kind of also working on my the edge of my abilities to be able to produce a consistent product at a high level of quality mm -hmm. um, without stressing myself out, and and then being able to work on you know, work on these highly intricate um, pieces um, to try to figure out and resolve the the issues of, that are coming up of how how time intensive and um, and material intensive yeah. they are so can we can, can we get nerdy can we can we talk about yeah. that in a little more detail okay so um one of the well i'm just going to come right out with it so there's two things that i really love about your work i think that you have a really wonderful eye for texture and transition um so as an example, your pieces where you've got multiple textures, you've got a matte followed by a gloss glass, or you've got both of those things followed by uh, a metal coating, um, which is yes. adding light play and it, like reflection in addition to the translucency from the glass. Mm. And we haven't even gotten into talking about color yet. You have a really <laughs> wonderful eye for color. And in particular, I think you have a really wonderful eye for combinations and transitions. Um, you have some pieces that have really wonderful transitions from warm to cool. Um, and I just want to, I don't know, hug them. Every time I see pieces that have that <laughs> really beautiful sandblast, um, your transitions between textures are really lovely. Um, so let's like lay it on us. I want to know. I'd, I'd love to. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, the designs, the focus of my design is to utilize a taper and all of the tapers of my work go from, uh, thin to thick to thin, um, mm -hmm. like the gate, the gauge. Yep. And I feel like I have this idea of balance visually of how the shapes work. And so they, they, the way they hang, the way they look on the on the ears and mm -hmm. on your neck, and the form, um, I'm I'm really paying a lot of attention to the curves in nature, and matching, like finding the balance in mm -hmm. in the shapes. So when you see the when you see like a tail on the squid, for instance, I the idea of the tail, the way that it's shaped, it's holding a ball like mm -hmm. the negative space yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not only looking at the shape of the, the material itself, I'm looking at the negative space. Yeah, that's wonderful spatial between. awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then when color comes into it, so I'm working with these very simple shapes or I want, I want the shapes to almost disappear because of their simplicity. Um, and then the colors come in. And so 
I love that I get to curate um, the, my palette based on the amazing amount of glass colors that are now available. Okay, so um, there's a documentary that I highly recommend um, called Degenerate Art, The Art and Culture of Glass Pipes. And so this documentary, it, it shows the development of glass and borosilicate glass in the pipe industry. And basically, I mean, going from laboratory glass. So are you using boro? Yes. Yeah, so I'm using all boro. And so borosilicate, um, for anyone who doesn't know a lot about glass, is um, this, it's Pyrex, American Pyrex, and is the same name as borosilicate. Um, so it's, it's a high, it's a hard glass. It's um, a highly temperature uh, resistant glass. It's got a boron and silica, borosilicate. So I owe my, my color to the pipe industry of uh, borosilicate because, um, because of the pipe industry, it's due to it that all of these amazing colors have been developed. And really recently, um, and there are, I'm really excited for the future of glass because things are being done right now that are phenomenal. I've um, been being blown away. Um, I, I was actually in a similar experience to you where I shared a warehouse with a bunch of glass artists. I was uh, the only non-glass artist, but one of my best friends was a glass artist. So I split the space with him and he brought in some other folks. Absolute black magic to me standing there yes. and watching these people <laughs> take this solid material and uh, bend it to their will under a flame and colors are changing and things are getting sleeved and and I, it just blows me away. It's one of the most incredible mediums. And so you mentioned that you were excited to be a nerd and talk about this and I'm also very much a nerd to learn about it because having stood around and watched it um, it's just amazing process. I can see why you adore it. Yes. I, it's just, it's really cool to work with the flame in my curation of what colors I use. Um, I'm, I'm really paying attention to how they can be manipulated. So I, I do love the transitions of like what happens. There's these certain colors that, um, react in the flame. Um, they're called striking colors. So when they strike, the metals and minerals in the glass are coming to the surface and they're basically laying, they're, they're coming to the surface. They're like fuming off and landing back on the glass. So they're, they're reacting with the flame and, and the oxygen on the surface. And then when you sandblast the material away, you're left with only what's underneath. So like some of these glasses, you get this gorgeous fade. May I ask um, what, what, um, what grit do you sandblast to? You know, I'd have to look, (laughs) I have to look it up. I can go run. I know. I mean, it's not, it's not super important right now and you can send me text with information or whatever. Um, I I sandblast as well. Um, but I'm using, I think, 
it averages out to about a thousand grit alumina oxide. It's very, very high. Um, but yes. it gives so this, I am doing... it gives this yeah. beautiful, like soft texture. I use it a little bit on obsidian, which is the closest thing I get to what you're using. But when I use it on metal, um, it, it, it makes it look like it would, like it's a pillow, like it would just sink <sighs> in when you touched it. It's a really beautiful texture. That's wonderful. I want to play around with the, uh, the very fine grit. My goal is to get a second or to have two sandblasting yeah. like booths. Um, this one, so I, I went with kind of like a medium, a grit, or I mean a medium fine grit. I think it's 220 um, aluminum oxide. And it works well because I can still get this nice powdery finish and it's smooth um, to the touch, but I can also use it to carve deeply. Um, so is that I how use, some of your pieces that have um, like relief carving on them? Are you blasting yes, away? I, okay, that's very cool. What I call the filigree. What's your favorite thing to make for glass heart? You know, it's it's really silly, but I love making my the top selling design of mine, which is squids. Mm -hmm. I just love making them. I can't I can't stop making them. That's that's a good problem to have. It's like a, it's a meditation. I just, I love it when I get an order for many in a row because I can just put on a really good book on, uh, um, audio book and dive in. Flow state. And I just, flow state. Yeah. I love it. Sometimes I really am challenged to get in to that state though. And some days I just, I can't fight, um, getting in the getting in the torch especially if it's really hot or really cold out because I work out of my garage now and I don't have um the temperature control yeah I'm in a, a building out back it's like 300 square feet and it you know it's hot in the summer and it's cold in the winter so I have a wood yes. stove in there for sometimes carving stone it's wet and when you're cold and wet together it's just awful your hands stop oh. working yes um, so winter time is awful but summer I don't know. We just take all clothes and get on with it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Lots of wet bandanas <laughs> and fans, except I have to be careful not to have too many fans by the flame or things get um, messed up. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier that there was a piece that took a lot of time and seemed to be somewhat risky to make. Would, yes. you, that, would you consider that to be the thing that you like making the least? Or is there another you know, piece? It's I, um, it's like a love hate relationship. So I I love pushing pushing the limits of the glass, but it's um, when I'm putting the glass through so many processes, I, it requires me to have I have to anneal um, many many times, and um, and I never know how. And I'm doing these coatings. Um, these luster coatings that I have to fire on. Um, and so I don't know until the morning if it worked or not, if I'm going to have to sandblast the coating off and re-polish it and redo it. Um, so I I think it's those processes that um, they are the most challenging and I, I feel so stressed out about 
especially when it's somebody's special request mm, and yeah. so I'm having to fulfill that. I'm, I'm really trying to limit those right now. Um, and I know a lot of people out there, maybe even someone who's listening <laughs> knows, um, you know, it, I just, I'm doing, I do the best I can, but it's, I can't force the glass to do something that it doesn't want to do. And so I'm listening to, okay, how, how can I make this work uh, without such a high breakage rate? Um, and it's hard, it gets hard to hold some of these pieces, you know, eventually one will slip out oh, of my bet, hands yeah. and um, usually at the last, last minute, mm -hmm. right? When I, <laughs> yeah. Most of the time when I break something, it's on the buffer, like the last stage and there it goes. Oh. I'm going to walk away for a little while and start yes. over again. Just walk away and shed a couple tears. <laughs> yeah, that's what maker life. Yeah, yeah. Is there anybody else in the industry whose work you are super amped on right now? Yes. Um, so I've been following, I've been following several glass artists, but I'm really, really inspired by the work of Kit Paulson right now. And I just found out about this workshop opportunity um, that she's teaching. Um, and so I, I, um, I'm really excited to hopefully um, get to take her workshop this summer, um, which I think would really expand my work. I haven't, um, haven't studied glass, um, personally, like in, in any, any, any fashion. I've, um, just really been grateful for, um, uh, the, uh, the glass artists that are surrounding me and, um, and picking up tricks and, and tips along the way. But it's um, creating what I've done has been really a lot of just trial and error on my own part. And um, and I so I feel like I've um, I'm kind of in this little shell of uh, understanding and I would really like to break out and learn other tricks. But I've always been so busy because I've done I've been doing APP. The Association of Professional mm -hmm. Piercers. I go conference. every year, yeah. And so I did that seven years in a row. Um, and during the peak of my business um, time, and that was when I had employees. Um, and doing that show um, really has kind of locked me into where I was as a business because I was always in. I was always anchored on the show. You were re relying show. on the income and yes, and then after the show, filling all of the orders, and really, it turned out to be close six to nine months of the year would be all about APP, and then the three other months was Christmas season, <laughs> and and so I I feel like I um I'm really grateful for that show and for understanding it, but I feel like at this point I'm, um, I'm stepping, I've stepped away from, from doing big shows like that so that I can spend my summers, um, doing art retreats and, and, um, continuing education so that I can push my, push the limits on, on what I can do. And I think that's, that's what I want to be doing moving forward is learning and connecting with other artists um, and 
understanding my craft more so that I can make even or so that I can grow from this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm right there on the same page with you. We've both been doing this for a while. We're similar in that we're both self-taught in what we do. And, um, you know, I didn't, I went to art school, but not for carving stone. That's not really something that happens nowadays. Um, you know, so it gets to the point where you, you do need to kind of look around, especially when you've sort of like maxed out your skill set in a way, yes. like we're, yeah. we're both making things that are at the, at the edge of what we can do. And I think we're both probably running into the issue with um, what we can do becomes predictable with the becomes unpredictable with the materials that we're trying to do it with. Yeah, I mean, I'm working with rocks, and you're working with glass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, both okay. of those things. You know, I mean, the rocks are usually harder than the glass, but they both come with their own very special circumstances, um, and they're not easy materials to work at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> because they break and they hurt you <laughs> and they hurt yes. yeah. they can be hurtful it's awful <laughs> yep <laughs> so the the instructional course that you'd like to take from this artisan whose name is kit paulson okay what do they do yes. what are you looking so, to learn there so if you look up kit paulson um she does this incredible structural, she builds um, using borosilicate, but she does this structural work. So it looks like lattice work. It looks like oh, wow. lace or okay. it's really um, difficult for me to describe. It, it seems very right delicate and complex. It's very delicate and complex. Um, very thin stringers. And she'll build, like she built this helmet out of glass wow. it looks um it looks like a, a medieval hood and um gauntlets <laughs> like, no way it's just incredible okay. oh, we're gonna we'll include this in the show notes <laughs> okay great yeah i highly recommend um looking her up i mean there are so many glass artists that i could name that i'm inspired by but um i i like limit um limit myself to like what I'm excited about in this, in this moment in time. Is, is there anybody making body jewelry specifically yes. that, that you've got your eye on? So I, I have seen someone out there that um, I don't know how connected they are into the body jewelry world, but I'm really excited for them. I have not personally um, reached out yet, but I would highly recommend checking out blob blobber okay it's on instagram blob blob i believe is the business name and i don't know his name off the top of my head i could look it up um so he, he is dabbling in gauges and he has just been um just in the last few months and so he's putting some really fun stuff out Very cool. there what material in borosilicate. In boro. Okay, so this is still yeah. glass. That's cool. Yeah, he's doing. Cool. I'm excited to check that out. Yeah, I highly recommend. He. Uh, um, I'm just blown away by his work, and it's really fun. I think to see someone new in the body jewelry world, 
that he may not even know <laughs> APP or any of right. the, the shows or I don't I don't think he follows me or, or knows who I am. I, um, I love that because that's where sort of original ideas and, and new takes on old ideas come from is those people out on the margins that just sort of stumble on something. Yeah. I love it. It's, I'm excited to to go check it out. Yeah, I highly recommend. I really want to get one of his pendants. So he's doing, I mean, I'm talking about somebody else's work. He's doing these, um, they look like crystals that glow from the inside because he's using dichro. Um, and then he's faceting them and doing this uh, very fine sandblasting, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, on the outside. So it looks like these faceted gems that have this inner glow that is just mind-blowing um like how can i (laughs) i want those in my earrings but that's his thing (laughs) as your business has grown and you can approach this you know as a as a glass artisan as someone who makes body jewelry or just as a small business owner what kind of what kind of barriers have you faced what what difficulties have you had getting from those initial nights just playing around with glass in the basement to where you are today? There's so many barriers always. Um, These are, I think it's the challenge of, for me, it's the challenge of marketing and knowing how to approach my customers like with, um, because there are, there are times where, you know, I have low times where people aren't ordering a lot and I know that with some of my wholesale customers, like jewelry can sit on the shelves or I don't know how to, I'm, I haven't found a good way to connect with um, wholesale customers, except I have, um, I have a really awesome core um, group of shops that order for me. Um, and body art forms has always been a backbone for me too, of, um, like they've they've had steady orders for me in the past so having these like steady reliable orders but i've been personally really challenged with having the time to like go on the road to sell my work mm-hmm. and um going to app is great because then i have access to everyone in one spot everybody's coming to you yes but the show is for my level is a very costly show and um i i just have found that it really puts more stress on um on my ability to or i or i don't know the best way to put it it's it's more stressful to get to that show and to do everything It, it almost costs me more not just not financially necessarily but in stress and resources i can understand that i it's I have to stretch myself so thin to be able to show up there and maybe have a good show. You know, it's just, it's a huge gamble for me. It's a big risk. Yeah. I fortunately have come out ahead every year I've been there, but I have a couple of friends that I've shared booths with and um, you know, they had a couple of bunk years and decided it just wasn't Mm -hmm. worth it. It just stopped coming. Yeah. Which I can totally understand. If you had any advice for, a new maker that was coming into the industry who was starting to work body jewelry with a specific focus on glass. Do you have any advice that you might want to convey to them? 
or it's hard for me to give advice without knowing more about the the particular person we're talking about. Um, I think, you know, for me, the way I run my business is based on my what makes me happy as an artist or like what brings me joy. Mm -hmm. And I am not, I don't think of myself as a business person. Uh, although I think I've become good at it or I mean, (laughs) I don't, I don't think I'm bad at it. Um, but I'm not an entrepreneur in that I would go into manufacturing. I've learned that for me right now, I I enjoy being the maker mm-hmm. of my work. And so that's that's what I'm doing. And if I think if you want to be a small maker, I would say follow your heart and don't be afraid to reach out and ask for advice. Um because I think that the the majority of um artists and people out there doing it for a living um are are going to be able to share, you know, knowledge. And I think I wish I had reached out more. I get really timid. <laughs> yeah, the, the industry is not, we, I think our approaching a stage in our industry is um, maturity, I guess you could say, where a lot of us are way more comfortable than we used to be about just sharing anything and everything, yes. about just answering questions and being transparent. I think that's a really wonderful evolution for our industry. And I think it would have benefited me and you, you know, when we were coming up, you know, obviously we had people that we were asking for help, but I was told kind of figure it out yourself. And I ended up being the person that turned around and said, figure it out yourself for a long time, (laughs) you know, because I, I I felt like I had ownership over those ideas. Um, And then I humbled up a little bit and realized that, uh, the only way to make the whole industry better is for everybody to just lay out what they know so that the people who are coming in can kind of skip the bullshit and get on to the stuff that matters. Cause there's stuff in there that I think is important for a learning experience, but I think a lot of it is just a waste of time. Yeah. Um, and I think as I see you kind of nodding your head with your previous <laughs> experience, having been completely self-taught and had, you know, having to kind of make all the mistakes do you think that it would have been a little bit easier that you may have been able to progress faster if you had more information available to you? I mean, it's, it's, that's really tough to, to say, I, I think maybe that I feel grateful that the lessons that I learned, I think were ones that I specifically needed to, to make it through. I just, I wish, I think I'm, I'm a little bitter uh, about my education or like my, I did a bachelor's in arts at um, Portland State University. And I, I did that program because I wanted to pay for my own schooling with um, myself and, um, and did it without financial aid, which I'm really proud of. But, um, but I'm also, I, really fr- and i've learned so much in that program but i i felt like i really had to fight to make it a real world education and i i'm really frustrated that no one ever told me i should probably take some business classes yeah that's a big thing and it still happens today 
Um, yes. The school that I dropped out of, Virginia Commonwealth University School of the Arts here in Virginia, fortunately, within the last 10 years or so, has started bringing in more entrepreneur type people and successful artists, commercially successful artists to um, kind of appeal to students that, you know, there's other stuff that you really need to learn that's going to make your life easier. That stuff is all boring. I hate it. You probably hate it. (laughs) Um, Anybody that loves it, I think is weird and I don't trust them. But, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, that's a really important aspect that so many artists just have an awful time with. I mean, like people's lives get really terrible because you know, as an artist, you want to create and create and create and then turning around and having to feel like you're commercializing your emotions, your time, the stress you put on your body and then playing the marketing game. And, and you know, you just want to be like, if you like it, buy it. And if not, go away. <laughs> you know, like it could be so much more simple than it really is. But the truth is that this is life and you've got to deal with it yeah. and learn about it. Yeah, it really is. I think it's it's about waking up every day and keeping on moving um, despite everything. Trying, I always I try to get at least one thing done every day, something challenging, even the tiniest little thing. If it's just writing an email um, that I don't want to write or <laughs> doing <laughs> doing my paperwork. Um, but yeah, to to wrap it up for for the person um, that is getting into it, I think I would recommend if you don't have any experience with business, um, finding your local um, small business association. Um, There are always classes going on um, that you can take. And um, it's really a a great way to meet other people that are just starting out. And they do have a lot of resources available. Yeah, they do. I'm I'm happy to hear you say that because... (laughs) It's been my experience that a lot of folks who are in our industry are just generally in sort of alternative um, sorts of industries. They they don't think to reach out to the traditional resources. Yes. But the fact is that the people at the SBA don't care what you're doing. And a lot of those old folks are like super stoked to see just some new idea and yeah. some people killing it, you know, like... And- most of the folks that I've talked to in passing, because I've, you know, I've um, taken advantage of some local resources over the years, things like that. Um, people get super stoked hearing what you're trying to do. And often they can help you work through um, your ideas to solidify um, final decisions and work on financial stuff that may seem really daunting or you may just not have a roadmap for, but people have been through it and there are people there to help. Um, So thank you for mentioning that because they're a great resource and they, they don't get enough credit. Yes, they don't. And I, so I actually, they, I I found them, I had some great advice to go um, and do a grant program. So when I was setting up my workshop for the first time in Portland, I did um, a small business association grant program where I, they helped, they went through a class where I would write a business plan and then they money matched. I think it was like $3 for every dollar. Um, so at the end of the day, I, I walked out with, I put in 
a thousand bucks and I walked out with 4,000 that I could spend on equipment, which was huge. That's a super cool thing. And I think most places will have a grant program of, or money matching grant program for new businesses just like that. That's a great resource. Resources are out there and I definitely recommend um, looking for them. And then another piece of advice, it's all coming up. Um, I would say is go with your gut and don't necessarily go with the first thing someone tells you to do. If, if you feel like something isn't, if someone's trying to get your money and you don't feel like it's right, if whether it's like you're hiring someone to help you with a website or, or anything like that, um, get a few quotes. I'd recommend, um, I, I've, I, I, I wasted a lot of money trusting people that didn't necessarily know what they were doing and um, really had some frustrating experiences. And I went, um, I think, you know, you just, when you're a baby, like baby business um, people, you, I mean, I knew I, I was all excited and people get all excited. And um, there are a lot of people out there that are, are not necessarily um, qualified to be working with you on your business. And um, I'd say, like, yeah, really, really vet the people that you work with. That Um, is sound advice. And I had, I'd lost a great deal of money on a web project for my business, the e-commerce store development, um, (laughs) that seems like it probably mirrors something you experienced. You know, people who agreed to make a thing and then the thing um, did not live up to the expectations because the people were not who they were supposed to be. Yes. And just paying attention to little things like if they were late three times in a row or aren't getting back, um, Mm. you know, just the there's usually little red flags that I wish I now I know I I look out for. when, you know, we, I've seen those red flags in the past and been like, okay, I even noted them and still just been like, okay, I need to get this thing done. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's really easy to just sort of blinders the red flags because you have the goal in mind and you can really, you can really um, get bit that way. Yeah. 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 Are you a reader? Do you like to read? I do. You do? What's your favorite book? Oh, um. Uh, that's really tough um so i love i love sci-fi um and fantasy novels so i I, and i um i've really been into octavia e butler Mm -hmm. um she does some really cool like vampire type um fantasy but it's almost based in fiction um but it is just just phenomenal and then i i love um some comedy comedy science fiction fantasy (laughs) stuff i'm such a nerd um but kevin hearn is one of my favorite authors as well i just um finished up a um a new series now i'm i gotta look it up (laughs) i so um kevin hearn i I highly recommend um, his uh, Iron Druid Chronicles, um, especially the audiobook version. 
um, his narrator, I can't remember his name, um, does an amazing job and it's, it's comical and silly and fun. And I can really, I, I love working, um, and listening to fantasy. You can just right let my mind go. <laughs> are, are you familiar <laughs> with, um, Neil Stevenson? No. Science, um, science fiction writer, um, two of his two of my favorite books are two of his novels uh snow crash and the diamond age all right i'm writing it down okay i'll look it up yeah good stuff well uh both of them are kind of cyberpunky sort of set in the future but it's the world building is really great i think yes well yeah i like anything with um characters you can fall in love with and and then something you I like it when it's augmented, like science fiction, a little bit, or um, where there's magic involved. Okay, yeah. Yep. Cool. <laughs> our, our world needs more magic. <laughs> that I can agree with. Okay, so where can we go to find out about the things that you make? The place that I post most often right now is on Instagram. You can find me at glassheart underscore pdx. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I've been I've been posting a lot recently, and I I like it as a platform because it's so visual, and um, it's it's fun to share the stories, and I I think it's um a fun challenge to to post um re more regularly. Yeah, I like your I like your stuff in the sand on the beach. That's nice. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's a good excuse to get out to the beach. <laughs> You, I've seen you on TikTok recently, yeah? Yes, I am on TikTok. Um, I, I'm just trying to play around with it. It's Glass Heart Jewelry. One word. Yep. Thank you very much for joining me today. I really thank appreciate your time. I really had a great time. I, I'm excited to have shared. And um, thank you for the opportunity. You're very welcome. I have one last question for you. Okay. Are your hands sore? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but not because of jewelry, because I was pressure washing my dress. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that counts too. <laughs> All right, Anne Marie, thank you so much. You can learn more about Anne Marie and Glassheart by visiting the website at glassheartstudio.com or on Instagram at glassheart underscore pdx. Thank you to all of my listeners for joining me on this episode of the Sore Hands Club podcast. Please stay tuned for the next episode, which will be a solo one where I discuss how I ruined my hands carving stone. <laughs> It'll be a good time. If you'd like to support this project, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Sore Hands Club. <laughs>